The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Freaking first cut. Round four recap for this week's Farmers Insurance Open. Joining me to break it all down, Greg Ducharme is here. Hello, Greg. What's going on, boys? What a week. Uh, really, and a unique uh, addition here. Saturday night, final round recap. Pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. Kyle Porter is here. KP, hello, sir. What a what a uh, what an Indian to an event. It was fun. A lot of a lot of big names in it. Great winner. We got a lot to a lot to discuss. Yeah, absolutely stacked leaderboard. And spoiler alert: if you don't want to know who won the farmers, I'm going to give you like five more seconds. Rick's struggling over there, Greg. Yeah, I guess it might be a little more than five seconds. He did say before the show started there are some internet problems uh, at the hotel. I think I think that hotel is uh, pretty jamming being out there around at sixty six. Uh, you cut out for that whole thing. I Rick. knew that. I knew it was yeah. screwed up too. The internet here is so bad. I knew that that wasn't working. Yeah, we heard sixty six. It was a final round sixty six. Greg, tell me what you saw from Max Owen today. Oh man, well. <laughs> Uh, obviously so much, so much good stuff. Um, but the cool thing to me about Max Homa is, well, one of the many cool things when it comes to his golf game is how it's changed over the years and continues to change. When he first came out on tour or even when he first won, I mean, this was not one of the best golf swings on the PGA tour by any means. Uh, It was a short game that was really weak. It was a putter that was uh, really poor. And all of a sudden, all of those things are strengths. I mean, he has one of the best swings on the PGA tour. And it could be it, it could be your favorite to watch. It's one of mine. I mean, it might be it might be top three. I mean, it might be number one. I mean, that may be a little wow. recency bias. It might be recency Wait. bias. Wait, give me your top three. Well, I, I definitely have Max Holman in there. I would definitely have Adam Scott in there. Um, who? I mean, who else? Who else am I putting in there? JT. JT, I really like JT's swing. I love the upright nature of it. Xander oh, it's is so good. Xander's up there. Xander's probably ahead of JT for me. Oh, come on. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it's one of my favorites out there. What about um, Rory? Rory is 
definitely top three. I don't know if Xander's top three, and I don't know if Homa is. No. And I like Cantlay's, too. No. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to name every top ten player. Top three favorite player. Morikawa? I really like it. But it, uh, it's really <laughs> effective. Is, Greg, hold on, three. hold on. Greg on every swing. I love it. It's a great swing. It might be top three. There's no, 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 like no. 10 guys. Uh, Xander's not top three. Rory's top okay. three. Um, Rory's top three. I think Holmes top three. And I think Xander's in my top three. That swing, KP, was good enough to make birdie on three of the four par threes on Sunday, including both of them on the back, numbers 11 and 16. It was one of the few birdies that we had on 16 day long to really put the juice on Sam Ryder. Yeah, I mean, he got up and down from 213 on 11. He got up and down from 230 on 16, and it's... I mean, that that's just those two holes are extraordinary. But to do it in the mix on the back nine at a place like Torrey is that's remarkable. And, you know, I, I think it speaks to the fact that he when he's in contention, he just goes for it. And you see that in sort of the way the numbers have played out. He's been. Uh, I put this out there. He's been in the top five going into the final round of a PGA tour event only nine times, which is like, I mean, that's a good number, but it's not, I mean, Tiger's number is probably 150. I I don't, I don't, I'm just making that up, but actually I can get it for you if you want, but uh, he's converted six of those. He has six wins out of the nine times that he's entered the top or entered the final round in the top five. And I think you know, you're not going to win all of those. That number will probably not end up at 66% when his career is over because it's impossible to win that much. And he said it after his round, you need a lot of luck. But I, I just think him going after pins like that, going at like not being afraid to just go for it is, it sounds reductive, but that's half the battle, you know? And, and uh, that, that's a, that's a, he's willing to put himself out there and, if he doesn't win, then he's fine with it and moves on. But that's a—I think that's a rare—it's a more rare trait than people would expect from top-level tour pros. I just to follow up on that as Rick looks like he's frozen again. Um, it, it, to me, when I see Homa hitting those shots, I, I think there's a nature of uh, aggression that's mixed with an ability to be really humble about it. Um, and like, you don't hear Max Holma saying things after rounds, the way we've heard, we heard Rom, uh, you know, discussing his round, the way we heard speed discussing his performance. We, and, and players are asked that. So I'm not saying that those guys did anything wrong, but you hear a lot of guys say that they're playing really well. They're feeling really good about things. And, and Holma seems to have this understanding that is, um, that the the game is really fickle. And Kyle, you you sent out that tweet about the one quote where you're one swing thought away from you know being good again. It, yep. which is a, it's a great quote, but it, that also seems to come with an understanding that you're kind of a swing thought away or, or a swing away from not being very good. And and he's been there 
and he knows what that's like. And so he seems to me to be so appreciative of the fact that he's in control of his game. And when he is in control of his game, he's not going to wait until next time because he knows how rare this occurrence is, even though for him, it's becoming less and less rare. Yeah. So a couple of things here. One, I just looked up the numbers. Uh, Tiger has entered the final round. This is since 2004. So the strokes gained era. He's entered the final round of a, of an event inside the top five, 79 times since 2004, which is a lot. Max's is nine on the PGA tour. I think it's, uh, more like 11 or 12. If you count corn Ferry. Rory has entered the final round of an event, in the top five, 104 times in the strokes wow. gained era, which is, I mean, it, it just goes to show you like, you know, it, it's to win at a really high, like to win a lot of events, you have to give yourself a lot of chances. And Max has actually not given himself a, a ton of chances relative to guys like Rory, but he's won a lot. And I think, I think that's a, it's a, it's kind of a crazy thing. I mean, you look at the last, since the start of 2021, Greg, Rory and Max are tied with five PGA tour victories, not including the Zurich. So I threw the Zurich out. Right. I think Cantley also has five, but it's Rory and Max Homa with, with five PGA tour wins. And I'm curious, I was thinking about this. Who are the guys throw out the world rankings, throw out the data golf rankings, throw out everything just are there are there how many guys do you think are better than max homa in the world right now oh man he kind of makes that question really difficult because you when when you analyze his game you think well okay well tony finau has more firepower than max homa just simply because he's longer uh xander has more firepower than Max Holma, or so we think. Uh, Rory, Rom, Scheffler, uh, JT, Spieth. These guys that have accomplished these things before and contended in majors, uh, we we would put ahead of Max Holma. Um, but it, as he continues to win, like where does that? Where does the contention and the and the winning kind of? match up like is the is the winning percentage more important or is the number of times in contention more important because uh, you know i think tony fina is a really good comparison it's a it's a, it's a good point yeah because because he's always there and it, it feels like and and it started to happen it feels like those numbers those averages that you were talking about are going to turn in Finau's favor are they going to turn away from Homa's favor? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know that a, that question's out there. That's that's really interesting. Do you think? Do you really think Spieth is better than Max Homa right now? No, no, I don't. I I don't think JT is better than Spieth right now. I I know he, uh, he then Homa term he is. Yeah, then Homa exactly. Um, you know, with Justin Thomas, I worry about what he's got going on on the on the greens with the flat stick. Um, I, I have worries about a lot of these top guys. I have worries about Scotty Scheffler with the putter. I mean, how would you compare Scotty Scheffler and Max Homa? He'd probably give the edge to Scotty. He contends every week, it seems. Um, yeah, I, I think so. I think the, I think the interesting point about this is just that we're talking about Homa in, in an echelon of players that, you know, I, I think for so long he was, 
well, he was two things. One, he was like the funny guy on social media, which is just such a tired trope to me that doesn't even he, he is great on social. He was great when he was mic'd up on on uh, Friday in the third round. Yeah. Uh, but he was also the guy that sort of uh, really struggled at the beginning of his career. He became this sort of poster boy for he was almost like a young journeyman in that he struggled, struggled. Then he kind of like made it onto the tour. And now he's one of the 10 best players in the world. And I think, I think sometimes public perception lags behind reality, right? So it's like, that's been a reality. I would say for, I don't know, would we say six, eight months, a year or something like that? I think home has been one of the top 10, 15 players in the world. And I don't know that public perception has like broad, like my dad, my dad's perception. I don't know if it's caught up with that now. If he goes out and wins the Masters, it will. If he goes out and wins right. the US Open at LACC, it will. But I mean, it's a it's a big time win. Some of some of Homa's wins are, you know, the Fortnite, whatever that tournament is called, was <laughs> was that's a good win, but it's not yeah. it's not the farmers over Finau and Rom and Jason Day and and all these guys. And I was just uh, I, I'm really impressed with the career that he's built. It's not like he got to 30 in the world and kind of just plateaued. It's not like he got to 20 in the world and plateaued. Max Homa, by the end of the year, could be a top five player in the world. What, what do you think is what's his what's Max Homa's ceiling? Well, we got to see what he can do in majors. And that's the next that's the next step for him. And what I find to be so curious about Max Homa or so fascinating is how he really has developed. Like you said, he goes from this uh, journeyman tour play and he really is his first year playing a full schedule on tour. He made $380,000. He missed 15 cuts. Uh, then the next year he plays 17 events. He makes two cuts, misses 15. He makes $18,000 on the PGA tour in 16 and 17. And then um, in, in 19, the very next year he wins and that kind of solidifies his position on tour. And he starts to just build a little bit more every single year. Uh, he goes from two top tens to four top tens to five top tens to five top tens. He's got two so far this year, but I wouldn't be surprised if that number ex uh, exceeds five. Along the way, he has that President's Cup last year where um, he goes, what, four? He went four and oh. Um, that's, a, that's a really big step, making the team and being a, a key component on a on a national cup team like that. That's another state another statement that he is one of those top ten players in the world, like you talked about. So the majors are lagging behind, um, and I think that's a huge factor in what his ceiling is. But do you think he can win one? A major? Yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. If if you're winning Wells Fargo's and. Tories, you, you can absolutely win a major championship. Now, David here says Max's ceiling is two to three majors. <laughs> that's a lot. I mean, that's you know, that's a that's a speed number. That's a I mean, JT's got two. I I would say one to two. I mean, I uh, listen, like, and this is why the majors are so beautiful. If you win two in this era, that is a lot of major championships. Yeah. Because it means usually, not always, but a lot, most of the time, it means you've put yourself in the mix for like 
five or six or seven of them, right? Which is a, a ton if you're kind of mixing it up and you're in it on Sunday. There's right. just there's some there's so many guys that that can happen to. So two to three, three would be I would be surprised if Max Homa won three major championships. I wouldn't be surprised if he won one and and maybe two. Uh, so I don't know. I, I'm, I've got two more things on Homa before we kind of move on to some other stuff. I guess the, the first thing, and, and they were talking about this on the broadcast, Greg, and I'd be interested in your opinion on it. I think it was Trevor Immelman was talking about how Homa just doesn't have a lot of holes in his game. I'm, I'm curious about, from your perspective, you talked about his swing. Uh, he's really good with driver. His short game is is tremendous. What What part of his game are you most impressed by? Um, the short game, I would say. Well, I'm impressed with the short game the most because of its improvement. Um, you look at his around the green stuff, and it, it was really bad for a while. And I thought it was something. I mean, in 2021, he's 157th on tour uh, around the green. And every year before that, he's outside the top 150. I mean, 175th at times. And now all of a sudden he's he's 42nd this year. Um, but what has happened since he won the Wells Fargo last year, when when you look at what he's done around the greens, it's it it's like a complete switch. The the switch has really flipped, and he's been um, a, a really good gainer in that area. Um, so I'm really excited about that for him, and I think it's a absolute strength of his game. The putting is another thing that has gone from a, or do you remember these conversations we used to have where Max Homa would, um, Max Homa would gain strokes, put in and win. It was like, if he, if he had a week where he gained more than two strokes, putting, he would win. And that has really shifted. Uh, and it, and it shifted to, he puts really well quite often. Um, so I think those two areas have completed his game. But, I mean, you look at some of the shots. The, really, when you watch him play, without looking at history, the most impressive thing about his game is his ability to trust his shot shape, which you see at yeah. 16, right? Left hole location. God, what uh, a shot. And then the tee shot at 17, right? I mean, it, it's an early tee pickup. He starts it over the gorge, and he yep. knows it's cutting back. And And there are examples of that all day long. But it makes it really hard to hide a hole location when you can when you're willing to start it off the green the way he does uh, and and fade it back in. He he doesn't have to work it both ways. He he can go hit his fade anywhere, and yeah. and that's a good thing. Well, seventeen and eighteen tee shots set up perfectly for him. The the shot into sixteen was. <laughs> I mean, the line that he took, Colt Nose said this on the broadcast, but he was like, that's an aggressive line. And it it was, I mean, he started it out right at that sort of off the right side of that tree and just worked it back and made the putt. That That's a, that's a two that you, you know, you shouldn't be making that in a Monday practice round, much less on the 70th hole of, of the golf tournament. So to your point though, each of the last, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six seasons, he's improved his overall uh, strokes gain total. 2017, Greg, he was negative 2.72. And then he's negative yeah. 0.9, positive 0.1, positive 0.6, positive 0.6, point, uh, 0.65. Then last year he jumps all the way to uh, positive 1.46, which is a, 
if you're not familiar with strokes gain, that's a, that's a good, that's a really good number. If you're two yeah. plus, you're a top five player in the world. He's at 1.7 so far for this season. That's only five events. That'll jump to probably around two after winning Tory. And uh, he's been plus in every single category each of these last two seasons. So uh, really impressive stuff from Max. Last thing I've got on him, Greg, is just this idea. And, and uh, I don't know. I was thinking about this because we see such a schism between like the live guys and the PGA Tour guys. And there's this sort of narrative building, I think, among the PGA Tour guys where a lot of the guys that are really successful in the PGA Tour are also the guys that are the most uh, open or willing to, to talk and willing to give you information, willing to be vulnerable, willing to do all of those things. We see this with max on 13 on, uh, on Friday in round three, when he puts the earpiece in, he's talking on the broadcast and the players just don't do that. And he's willing to do it because he understands sort of the entertainment value of professional golf and of the PGA tour. I think the thing that I was thinking about this, and I'm curious about your opinion is it seems like like you could make a case that the four or five best players in the world right now are also the best and most uh, the best talkers and the most open players in the world. You talk about Rory, Rom, uh, Homa. Uh, I'm trying to think of JT. Like all yep. those guys are, are are really interesting talkers, and that just doesn't seem to happen very often in professional sports. And they have different perspectives too, which is really cool. I mean, while Rom is open, he's very different from Rory. Uh, and, and Rom is a little more controversial, I would say. Um, not that he's controversial. He just, he, he will speak his mind and it's a yeah. little more aggressive um, where Rory and, and Homa probably are, you know, on the night, they seem to be a little nicer. They would be guys more willing to put on a AirPod and play a hole with the broadcast team. Um, so, but I am very curious to see how that goes moving forward. Like, will these top guys who are very open, I mean, Jordan Spieth could do what, What's the difference? Right. Jordan Spieth does it anyway. It's just the, you add another, <laughs> add another voice in there. Right. Um, so I could, I could definitely see something like that happening and I think it's good, but I will point out one thing. This popped into my mind on the broadcast. It, when you open up that line of communication, you just have, you got to be careful as the broadcaster not to give a piece of information. You shouldn't makes mm. it an advantage, right? If, if they're talking and Max is looking over his shot there and, and there's a, a moment of downtime and somebody says, Oh yeah, well you don't want to go past this flag. Nobody has kept it on the green from back there. It, that may be a P it may create a little bit of a problem. So I just think they have to be a little cautious with that. Um, yeah, it's a good, it's a good point. I think, I think they did a good job. And I think the point of it is to just ask, and I think this is what a lot of people want. It's what I want is to ask, Hey, what are you, what are you trying to do here? You know, you watch, um, I watched the JT and Spieth no laying up video where they play with them at Kapalua and it's not a tournament obviously, but they're playing the same course that a tournament was played on. And it's like, Hey, what do you, you've got 35 yards on this pitch. Where are you trying to land it? How are you trying to land it? Because those guys are so good. And I would put Homa in this category. They're so good at just talking 
for lack of a better term, very nerdily about golf, right? Which is what we yeah. love. Like I, I love hearing that stuff. I think you love hearing that stuff. And I think absolutely those of us that are really into golf love hearing about trying to hit a three yard cut and hold it off and the winds moving this way. And that's just, that's fascinating. It makes the entire, it just, it almost reshapes, I think the entire product and, and makes it more entertaining and, uh, and fun. So, uh, let's, let's just work our way down the leaderboard a bit. Yeah. Uh, I like it. I show, I want to start with Rom. Uh, he dropped a T7, uh, just a not very good Sunday. He had had two great days in a row, gained six strokes on Thursday, gained six strokes on Friday, playing the North and the South, respectively. Uh, it kind of just fell apart with him when he had to save uh, a double there on, uh, what was that, five, five, I think? Five. Yeah. Any takeaways from Sunday or just kind of yeah. inevitable that he wouldn't shoot 65 every single round this year? Yeah, uh, well, I mean, I, I guess we learned that he's human, right? And, and you saw some things kind of get a little frustrating for him. Uh, you saw some tee shots get a, get offline a little bit. And this was a time I, I thought he lost some of that golf swing that he had the last two days, even though his numbers were really good tee to green. I just, I thought it was a little looser tee to green than it had been. And then there's, I mean, I mean, the numbers are going to say one thing about a short game, but the, the situation on five, I imagine took a really big hit there. Um, and, and he left himself in some, I mean, he, he had to make an eight footer, nearly a nine footer for double yeah. bogey at five. I mean, that was really, that was a dagger for him. And and then you're, when you're pressing on that golf course, it's so hard to force birdies. You, you cannot play it that way. So um, I, I think once he kind of made that double bogey, lost track a little bit, things got a lot more difficult for him. Yeah. Uh, Keegan Bradley finishes second, played a yeah. great uh, back nine. He shot, Shot 32 on the back, four birdies, kind of made a little bit of a mess of 18. Uh, didn't hit a very good approach shot there, but I, I want to, uh, a little mini trivia question here, Greg, where do you think Keegan Bradley is ranked in the U S Ryder cup rankings right now? Ooh, well, he did. He won at the Zozo, which would count. Um, so I would guess Keegan Bradley is ranked right now. 13th. It's a good guess. He's ranked 11th ahead of wow. Xander, ahead so of Patrick Cantlay, ahead of Tony Finau, ahead of Jordan Spieth, ahead of Aaron Wise, ahead of Billy Horschel, ahead of Bryson DeChambeau. That's going to be ahead of Patrick Reed. That's going to be a real, uh, I think, conversation throughout the year. I mean, Keegan's obviously well known for how much he loves the Ryder Cup. I he might be one of the few people that loves the Ryder cup more than I do. And, uh, he's playing great golf. I, I think, you know, people, there's a lot of things that people enjoy kind of clowning on Keegan for, whether it's the warm up or the unpacked suitcase from the Ryder cup or whatever, but uh, he's playing really good golf this season. And, uh, I think he's a, he's a pretty good character. We don't, you know, there's a lot of guys are on the tour, just uh, not, dial tones, but just don't have a ton of personality. And he's got some personality, whether you like him or hate him. I, I think it's, I think it's fun kind of when he's mixing it up. Uh, I, I personally love watching Keegan in contention and I, I get the, the gyrations that are a little, you know, they bother people, but uh, that is just pure competitive 
focus juices flowing i mean i've seen keegan play uh at uh, at medalist i saw him play a couple of holes here and there and it it's a it looks completely different right it's way easier the pre-shot routine is easier uh, i didn't see from this close but i doubt there's that side eye uh green reading thing going on but you <laughs> see all that because he's so into it and I love that aspect that this guy just, he is in the ring and he's mixing it up, like you said, and and he's bringing it. And I think that's why he would be a really good Ryder Cup player. Um, I know putting is a weakness. He led the field this week, by the way. Yeah. Um, which is pretty, pretty cool. I, I think he did also. Well, I don't, I guess they don't have it there, but I think he putted pretty well at the Zozo, which was not measured. Um, yeah, he would have had to. Yeah. That's uh, that's how Keegan wins. But come yeah. Ryder Cup time, I would expect him to make big putts when he needed to, uh, because of that energy that the juices are flowing. He's on foreign soil, and and I think Keegan would be eating that up and could be really valuable to the team. Yeah, great great week for him. Colin Morikawa finished third shot. At three hundred sixty nine on Sunday. He finished at ten under, so three back of Homa. Uh, one back of Keegan. Uh, was it, was this a, I mean, is this a, is this a bounce back for him? Do you think he even needs to bounce back from Kapalua? What were you at with, with Morikawa kind of as we head into the sort of elevated, like the, the, the meat of the elevated part of the schedule? Uh, very high on him. Very high on him. I mean, he was third off the tee this week. He was third approaching the green this week. Um, I mean, 9.8 strokes gained tee to green. And he lost around the green, too. So he, he was second tee to green for the week. This was really impressive stuff. Uh, and it looked like Morikawa of old to me, where he just keep shoot, just keep shooting, give yourself opportunities, and eventually you're going to start making some putts. Uh, and he did that today. He, he holds some really nice putts. He hit it to 12, 15 feet a lot and poured it in time and time again. So I was very impressed with him. I was disappointed with the second shot at 17. Um, but but other than that, I, I was really impressed. How about you? Yeah, he makes a five on 17 uh, sandwiches that with he had four birdies on the back, but he also had two bogeys. I uh, listen like, yeah, I'm 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 actually I think relative to a lot of other people bullish on Morikawa. I, th- I think a lot of people came into the year thinking uh, Morikawa is not playing very well. And if you if you look at his numbers last year, it was pretty freaking good. And he just didn't win, you know, and yeah. And so, yes, I'm in on Morikawa. I, I wonder the thing I think about with him a lot is remember when JT was talking about how Tiger told him at the beginning of his career, Hey, you don't have enough shots. And then he sort of, he went down the Pedro Martinez path and he just had, he has every shot now where it's like Pedro can kind of do anything he wanted or could kind of do anything he wanted with a ball. And that's how I feel about uh, JT when he's got an iron in his hands. I don't feel like that with Morikawa. Yeah. I think he has, one or two shots that's unfair and reductive i'm sure he has more than that but when i watch him it's that stock cut which to be fair is like the best shot of any player in the world so it's not it's not a i'm not uh you know coming at him about that i just I think get a little worried about that when there's weather or wind or he needs a kind of a punch draw or he has like a funky lie. I, I just, 
I don't know. I, I think when it, when it gets to a point where you need a bunch of different shots, I don't worry about him because he's a great player. And I think he can kind of use that stock cut or stock fade to have a ton of success, but I would like it if he had maybe more shots than he does. It's a fascinating discussion, right? Cause this comes from JT, you know, the JT thing comes from tiger. And I think at times JT and all the shots he has, it holds him back. Interesting. Like he, um, like he overuses it. Yes. Like he's done it at Augusta National. He he doesn't know what to do on thirteen. Like he he makes that hole yeah, yeah, so he, much harder than he has to. Because uh, he tries and, to he tries to turn over that that draw and like hit that yeah kind of low running hook and then he yanks it into the creek and right it, it, or hits it into the yeah it's been a little bit of a mess for him yeah and and I think. It, um, you know, they get a little too extreme. And while it's great to have them, in order for that to be really effective, you need to be able to pair it with the discipline that Tiger has. And I'm not sure JT is there yet, which I'm not sure anyone ever will uh, get yeah. to that point. So again, not a knock on JT, but with Morikawa, when you have a stock shot that you play all the time, it makes decision-making very easy. Uh, yeah, and it it takes out a lot of mental pressure, and I think there's a lot of validity to it. So, um, it it's kind of, the way he plays is kind of my preference because my philosophy you don't really ever need a need a low running draw. I mean, you get down to the final three holes, might you need one? Yeah, I suppose it's it good looks, to know how to it hit looks it, cool, but, right? Yeah. Of course it, it does. It's a little bit like more cow is a little bit like Mariano Rivera where he's got one pitch, but it's the best pitch in the game. So yep. you don't really need anything else except I would argue in more case. And again, I keep going back to, I followed him around at, at uh, Southern Hills last year. It was windy on, I think it was day two, maybe day three when it was like 40 degrees, but some of the shots he was hitting were just getting Matumboed, like just getting batted away and yeah. his sometimes inability to flight the ball gives me pause in now not all these tournaments are played in bad weather or windy conditions or whatever so i think 85 percent of the time you can use your mario uh, mariano rivera cutter and it doesn't it's great it works perfectly it's just that other 15 percent and a lot of times the uh you know, the major championships are, are played in those kind of conditions. I, I will say if LACC is tame conditions, more cow is going to be a problem. I don't know what they've done up in Rochester at Oak Hill either, but um, I'm sure that golf course is a little bit different now. And I'll look into that a little bit, you know, in the next couple of months. But uh, it, based on, you know, a Jason Duffner winning there, going head to head with a Jim Furyk, uh, it seems like my recollection is that accuracy and precise precision iron play is kind of the key at Oak Hill. So Morikawa and Homa, I think, are really good fits there, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's do Sam Ryder real quick and then we'll kind of move on to some of our bets. Uh, Sam Ryder shoots. Uh, what did he shoot? He was three over 75, yeah, 75. On to fall out of uh, first place. He finished T4 along with Sahith and Sungjae. Not 
super surprising given given how a uh, few times he had been in that position. I will say it was a little bit surprising because it felt like at, at late in the game, it felt like it was either Sam Ryder or Homa because they were four quarter of the field. You had Hideki sort of Keegan was maybe in there. Morikawa was kind of in the mix, but it really felt like Ryder and Homa and then Ryder just completely fell off over those last three or four holes. Was there any, any takeaways from him? Yeah. Uh, after, after Sunday's performance, he, he just, he missed right. Every, he, it's amazing when you look at what he did all day long. It was right rough. I mean, number one, he hits it into the right bunker. Number two, into the right bunker. Number four, into the right bunker. Number five, in the fairway, but on the very right side. Uh, and then on number seven, he's in the right rough. Um, and then it happened again at 15. Well, at 12, he hit it into the right bunker. At uh, 14, he was the very right side of the fairway. And 15, he hits it into the right rough, isn't able to get a club on it, um, and make, ends up making double. So, I mean, there's a shot that's just plaguing him out there. And I think that's a really hard thing to overcome. Uh, and and it definitely caught up to him. Although he, I thought he did a really nice job hanging on. Um, but eventually it, that, that little errancy got him. Yeah. Uh, you know, Ryder's interesting because he's somebody that I was looking at his numbers on, I guess, Friday. And just for his career, he's, he's sort of the archetype for an average PGA tour player, right? He's, he's like a 0.0 stroke scan guy every year, which is, you can make a great living being a 0.0 stroke scan guy, right? But I guess my point is you're not going to get a, if you're Sam Ryder, you're not going to get a ton of beating Rom and Finau and Homa and Morikawa at Tory type chances. You might get, what five or six of those in your career, unless you make a, unless you make a leap, you know, you could make a sort of Jimmy Walker like leap in your mid thirties. Usually it doesn't happen with guys that are, are kind of where Sam Ryder's at, but it's gotta be difficult. We saw this with Luke list last year. Luke list actually converted for his first PGA tour win. It, I think he's 30, it was 37 last year. It's got to kind of weigh on you emotionally to know, like I'm not in that class of player and I don't get a lot of chances like this. And I had three or four holes that just kind of sunk me and I don't know when my next chance is going to be. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm sure he's hoping it's whenever he starts next, right? That's probably what's in his head, but you're absolutely right. I mean, they showed a, they showed a graphic on Friday um, round three where it was rider and his PGA tour wins and everybody behind him and everybody was over five wins, <laughs> which was really cool. Um, Homo was one of them. Morikawa was one of them, which it's amazing that they were both at five. Um, and then I think Rom was up there, I believe as well. And it was like, wow, he's got uh, some heavy hitters right here behind him. Um, yeah. Did Decky in the mix and it, it was, <laughs> he was definitely from a resume perspective outclassed. Um, but this this kind of performance on Sunday could have happened to I mean, it happened to Rom, right? Yep. So no, no hard feelings on Sam Ryder. He just he's got to get that driver cleaned up a little bit. It was definitely a Charlie Hoffman at the Masters uh, type of situation with, with Sam yeah. Ryder on uh, in the second and third round. Uh, OK, we're going to take a look at our bets, our uh, money ball 
our one and done uh, here in a second. But uh, first, let's take a break and hear from our partners. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, we're back. Uh, I don't know. Producer Troy, do we have the uh, the the bets pulled up? Greg and I actually didn't participate, but we are going to comment on them uh, because oh, yeah. we didn't participate. So we've got <laughs> uh, both matchups hit. Rick hit Scott Stallings over Harris English. Uh, Patrick hit JT over Mav McNeely. JT was kind of a made the cut, but not really a factor guy this week. Uh, didn't get any of the finished positions. Taylor Pendrith missed out on the top 20. Johnny Vegas missed out on the top 20. The one I want to kind of jump in on is uh, Max Homa, 22 to 1. That's, I think, our first outright of the year to yeah, hit. And it is. Rick had Morikawa at 18, which was which was kind of in the mix as well. Uh, and then the other one, Patrick, Patrick has an opportunity to go two for two here. Uh, Thomas Peters is... Well, okay, so t- so the Dubai Desert Classic is still going on. Round three, I believe, starts tonight because there was some weather earlier in the week. So I believe yes. Thomas Peters is T1 after round two. It says round three on here, but I think it's after round two, correct? Uh, I don't know what his official bet was. Right now, we're after uh, they're going to be starting tomorrow morning. You'll see round three. Yeah, so so Thomas Peters right now is tied with Richard Bland and Michael Thorbornson. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Uh, the stand, the kid from Stanford that that uh, finished in the top five of the Travelers last year. He's like 19 years old. He's a superstar. Shot yeah. 64 in the second round. Anyway, Thomas Peters is is tied with those two guys for the lead of the Dubai Desert Classic, but we're only through 36 holes there. So, uh, what was that? Throw that up there again, producer Troy. I think. I think Patrick had him at 35 to one. So if he goes home at 22 and Peters at 35 and both those guys hit, that would be a, uh, a big boy week for, for good old Patrick. That is, it already is. I mean, that's a huge, that's a, a very, very nice week, especially looking at what, what has happened here so far this year. So nice improvement. Um, I love the home of play. I loved it. He was a, w- one of my top choices as well. So um, good on you, Patrick. Yep. Uh, we can go on to the money ball. Neither of those hit. Rick had, this one's tough. Rick had Hideki Matsuyama as top Asian. Somehow lost out on that, even though Hideki was in second place with like eight holes to go in this golf tournament. Sung Jay gets him by a shot. Yeah. At the very end. Brutal. I mean, Sungjae probably should have made that birdie putt on 18, but Hideki looked so good. 
Well, Hideki uh, made three bogeys on the back and made a six on 18 for Rick to lose this bet. So that's a tough yeah. scene. And then the John Rahm outright, I don't like that at plus 450. Uh, although he was in it and just shot 74 on Sunday. So winners are just, it's, it can't be a best bet. I just don't think an outright can be your the the most likely bet to hit. Yeah, it's that's difficult. Uh, okay, let's move on to. Uh, actually, we're going to take another break. Hear from our partners, and we'll move on to uh, to close things out with the one and done. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H track all wheel drive and three row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Okay, we're back. One and done was, I think, really interesting this week, Greg, because we had a lot of guys that were picked that were in it. So we'll start at the bottom. And actually, we had a comment from this gentleman earlier in the chat. If producer Troy can go find it. There we go. So Sia Najad, uh, there's <laughs> I mean, we've only had what, four weeks here, Greg, and we've had two controversies already. Already. So yeah, I, I was I was not on the podcast on neither of us were on the podcast on Tuesday. I was at the PGA show. You were doing your thing. Apparently, Sia Najad did not get a pick in. And now he's wow. saying my first cut one and done pick was made on Tuesday. It was Jason Day and lawsuits will be filed if it's not counted. Wow. Well, I, I'm worried yeah. about the lawsuits. Where do we go from here? I thought we were pretty clear. I thought we were pretty clear. I don't know what time he did it, but I think we even mentioned it on Monday. We'll have to check the tapes. I'm sure this will come up in discovery, but uh, I think we talked about how you get your pick in by Monday. Maybe that was Sunday. Now I'm having second thoughts. I, I don't know. I feel for you, Sia. But okay, what so Sia, Sia, yeah, here we go. Sia is now saying that the pick was made around noon because he didn't like the 8 a.m. deadline. Wow. So I mean, there's a couple. Was there civil disobedience or what? Well, there's a couple holes on my course that I don't like as par fours. So could I just get to play them as par fives? I I, I guess you can if you want. I mean, that's kind of what Sia did, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm just, just going to do your- whatever I think is what we should do. 
And now the flip side of this is that Mark kind of did what he wanted earlier in the year by turning in Rom after the uh, after the deadline. So, what does do everybody a, get a month? Well, I was going to say, is there like a January grace period for this stuff? That yeah, that's an option. You could give it till January, but there's got to be a line drawn somewhere. If we want to help see out and throw him into the mix with Jason Day, man. Uh, Producer Troy, do you have a statement here? I mean, anything you say can and will be held against you, but do you have anything to say about this situation? I mean, the one thing that I could say is that on the Monday podcast, we did say it was due by 8 a.m. It was Monday. Okay. All right. That's it. I I think it's settled at that point. There's a due date established. He's on. I mean, I know he's not always on on Sunday. He's not often on on Sundays. He's always on Mondays. And we talked about it Monday. But we've also talked about how you you can't change your pick after the Tuesday podcast. And yet we let Mark get away with changing his pick. Right. Yeah. Yep. And look. Listen, here, here's here's my thing. I am I am pro January grace period. I don't think that Sia was nefariously studying the first cut podcast on Tuesday morning to see who everybody else picked and then taking somebody different. Well, he didn't take anybody different. He took the same guy that the rest of us picked on Tuesday. So I say let him have it, give him the money, and that's it. Feb- starting February, everybody has to abide. We need a we need like our, the rule book turned in February one, so that everybody knows what we're dealing with. So this is the last. This is the last straw. This is it, right? Because no. it's January twenty eighth. So uh, are we going to have a Tuesday pot? Are we going to have one more? W- what is next week? Is next week? Are we still in the grace period here? I think next week is still the grace period. You start Phoenix elevated no grace period listen it wouldn't be a tory week if we weren't having some kind of scandal involving right. the the farmers insurance open so yeah, we need it every year give uh give sia the okay you don't need to be we're trying to help you out here sia don't <laughs> don't don't get out over your skis there buddy um give sia the money i don't know how much what did jason day earn what was i, I don't have 182,000 Okay, so two hundred eighty-two thousand to see you. Are you good with that, Greg? Yeah, I'm good with it. Okay, Rick texted me; he's good with it. So okay, all right, great. Give it to Sia. Mark also got two hundred eighty-two thousand. I did as well. The fans did as well. Greg, you did as well. Yeah. The real the real story here. Patrick Patrick had himself a week. Patrick and Rick yeah. both had Max Homa. So they jump up into the uh, this, the uh, seven-figure club. They're both over a million now, and actually, Patrick's over two million. So we've got a we've got a leaderboard starting to take shape as we head into the uh, the elevated portion of the schedule. Yeah, it's um, quite interesting. Still a huge gap. I mean, these next couple the the elevated events, designated events, are going to be enormous, and you can yeah. already see from this leaderboard why. Um, and I. I was so in favor of Max Homa and Jason Day this week. And I went with Day because I felt like um, I felt like Homa was a guy I could use in an elevated event. And I didn't know if Day would have a better week than this. I agree. Um, and so I don't I am very happy for their win. 
on on HQ this week, I had Homa as my winner besides Rom, and I had Day as my top ten lock. And so I loved both of these guys. I think Homa's going to win a a designated event. I mean, is he a better play here or better play at Riv? Well, I, I guess I guess that was going to be my question: is where I, I'm. We, I wouldn't have picked Homa this week. I, I didn't love him at Tory. But I do think he's very pickable for the elevated events. I just don't know which one. Is it Quail Hollow? Is it is it Riv? Is it Phoenix? Is it a playoff event? It's probably not a major. And so that leaves you with, what, six or seven options? Is it the players? I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know which one to, to Could throw it be him a in major? there for. There's a lot. But, but if you look at Jason Day, on the contrary, I don't think he's a playable option in any of those. No, I agree. Um, and yeah, if he I'm, is, you probably haven't done a great job with your planning. Yeah. I, I think I'm, I think I'm going to pencil in Morikawa for the U S open, by the way, already. I think I'm right. just going to pay Morikawa for LACC. I like it. I mean, I want to do a little more learning about it. See, see what it's about a little more as we get closer. Yeah. But I, I so, get it. Okay. Uh, refreshed season standings for the one and done mark at the top with 3.1. I'm in second with just under three. And then we've got Patrick with just over two. So those are your top three going into pebble week, kind of a weird, you know, this next week, Greg, it's, it's interesting because we've, we've, we're taping this on a Saturday night. We've got two days now of kind of shifting our focus to Dubai to, to watch the, hopefully final pairing of Rory and Reed on, on uh, <laughs> Sunday evening, Monday morning. And then we're into a week at Pebble. That's just, you know, not, uh, not the most anticipated event of the year, but then you get Phoenix Riv Bay Hill players basically in a six week stretch. So yeah, it's kind of a deep breath before uh, a pretty, pretty elite run of, uh, of golf this year. Yeah, but it's still a great event and it's in a great spot in the schedule. There's no football to compete with on on next Sunday. And over the past couple of years, even with weaker fields, we've had great finishes. And I expect the same out of the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, but it'll just be a little taste compared to what we're going to get in the coming weeks. Do you, are you in on moving more of the sort of January, February events to a Wednesday through Saturday finish? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think you could do it for the, I think you could do it for all of them. This is phenomenal. I think. I I'm surprised that they, in there, I'm sure there's a reason for it. I'm surprised that we haven't done it for Phoenix. Because Phoenix, it just feels it's a crazy week. I'm going to be out there. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be awesome because that's always a fun week. The Super Bowl's in Scottsdale uh, or in Glendale, wherever the, the stadium is, and it's the first. I would say the first kind of real elevated. This is like what the future of the PGA Tour is going to look like type event. But it gets a little jammed up against the Super Bowl, and I I just don't know that it's. I don't know. I think it would be better served as like sort of an appetizer on Saturday night leading into Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, it could be. Um, I mean, the good thing about it is it normally kind of brushes right up to it. 
And if you don't have a playoff, the timing is perfect. And so I think they have a nice thing going there where it it works, but it does run into trouble if you have a playoff, which happened last year. And I think Scheffler and Cantlay went a couple of holes. Um, So that could be... It always happens. Hideki, Finau, Webb. Yeah, good point. So you, there, you get a lot of playoffs there, and, yeah. and you end up into Super Bowl time. I like the Sunday. I like that little rotation. I think it's a fun thing. But if you did want to move it to um, to Saturday to get the full attention, I mean, imagine that environment on the final round. That would be mm. insanity. It's insanity yeah. anyway. So it could be fun. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay, that's all I got. I may or may not have a couple episodes of the Netflix show waiting for me to go watch. So I'm going to go maybe or maybe not get to that. Uh, you got anything else for us, Greg? No, uh, I hope you enjoy those. If if it is the may have. If um, that's what I'm doing, I will doing. I will enjoy those. Yeah. Yes, and let sure. me know what you think for sure. But um, yes. well, I guess the last thing we should add next week, we got um, Monday DFS preview yep. Tuesday. We'll have our normal deadline, although it doesn't really apply because we're in a grace period. Uh, <laughs> a mega preview pod. This is like this is like when the USGA makes a new rule and they give they give like six months for people to respond. That's yeah. the that's the grace period that we're, we're in right the now. feedback period. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Yep, exactly. So, and then, um, and then we'll be back with you on Sunday as well. So next week, Monday, Tuesday, Sunday, uh, and get us right here, YouTube, yep. wherever you get your podcasts. But thanks, Absolutely. Kyle. Thank- Good job filling in. Yeah, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Uh, we made it without Rick. It didn't get too off the rails, Greg. You and I have a tendency to uh, just just go down rabbit holes and never come it's back. So <laughs> we we're uh, we're still here. We 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 made it through, and uh, I'm ready for Rick to be back in this chair on on Monday and Tuesday. Yep, me too. Thanks, everybody. Okay. Talk to y'all soon. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.